Welcome to the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. We are recording on Zoom live from Los Angeles, California. Our guest today is Carlos Santos, a Puerto Rican actor, comedian, based in Los Angeles, California. He has done film, TV, commercials. You might know him from Hente 5 on Netflix as he play Chris Morales which is produced by America Ferrera. And stay tuned because season two is coming now out on November 10th. Season two coming on November 10th. I know him from his MTV Tres Days back in 2006 where he was the host of MeTRL. He did Vacation Friends which just came out on Hulu and he did The Valet with Eugenio Derves, which is coming out next year. And he just came back from Texas where he did an HBO comedy special that will be coming out on HBO Max, so stay tuned. He's also part of an improv team called Spanish Aquí Presents, SAP, where he performed in UCB Sunset before the pandemic. And they also have a podcast which has more than a hundred episodes so check them out he has done videos with buffy pedal like go grab your coffee your tea your favorite drink and listen welcome to the 7 p.m cafe podcast we are recording on zoom from los angeles california our guest today carlos santos welcome carlos what's up lucy ¿Qué está pasando? how's it going oh good He is a Puerto Rican actor, comedian, well-known now from Hente 5 and Netflix. I know Carlos from his days on MTV3. You did Gustin 1. Mm -hmm. You have done film, TV, commercials. You I've did done it all. I've done it all. Yep. Chamacas. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you have done in YouTube videos for Equals 3. You were in the movie of Javier, uh, Yo Soy Un Politico, mm -hmm. and then Hint to Five. That's we'll right. talk about that later. Right now, you have Vacation Friends out, yeah, right? Cool right now, yes. You were on um, Susana's series, Seven Sitters, in July, which haven't come out yet, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's just, uh, it was just a screening, I think. Mm -hmm. And then you were on The Ballet with Eugenio Derbez. I just shot that in May. It's not coming out till next year, but it was a lot of fun. And then you are just back from HBO Max. You were doing a comedy show. When you say it like that, it looks like I've been working like crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, when you hear it back to back. Yeah, I just got back from San Antonio. It was fantastic. I just shot a, my first stand-up comedy special. Uh, it's an ensemble show, so I'm not doing a full hour. I'm just doing like a segment with other comedians. But man, that was a lot of fun. It was really cool. For anyone that doesn't know you, let's go back a little bit. You're from Puerto Rico. Born and raised. You moved to L.A. and went to school for theater. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't move to L.A. I went to Fresno State. Okay. So how you start theater? Why theater? Why theater? Um, mm. I was in, I always wanted to do comedy. I always wanted to do, since I was little, I think by the time I was 14 or 15, that's when I realized that this was, this could be a, a career path that people could get paid to do this. I thought before that, I just thought I was just having a good time. Uh, but I also didn't grow up with family in the industry, so I had no idea how to even start. I was in Puerto Rico. Uh, I mean, the internet was around, but there wasn't like YouTube wasn't around. So there wasn't like this democratized uh, opportunity to create content. So I was just basically trying to, the best thing I could think of was just to go on the exchange program. And at that point, I was computer engineering, which obviously didn't work out. 
and uh, for my freshman year of college and, and University of Puerto Rico, Mayagüez. But then I went on the exchange program. I ended up at Fresno State. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm just going to switch over to theater arts. I'm going to do it. I'm going to let go of these fears, you know, because everybody, when, when I told people that I was computer engineering, people were like, oh, this is going to be great. It's good money. It's good work. And then uh, as soon as I told people that I switched over to theater, they were like, oh, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to be a teacher? <laughs> and so I just had to, I was just happy enough to let go of those fears and uh, whatever it is that you have to prove yourself to people. So I let go of that of, at, a, at an early age. And I think that was helpful into just following my dreams. And so I, I ended up uh, switching to theater arts, graduating with a degree in, in theater. And then uh, and then after I graduated, I moved to L.A. and I started and I ended up taking a detour into hosting, which you can, you, you know, that's how we met. But I ended up working as a host for seven years without even thinking that that was going to be a career option. So it's interesting. My career has been kind of all over the place. So you graduated from theater. Mm -hmm. What was the first gig? My first gig? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, my first gig. <sighs> I'm going to say that I did extra work for a show on Fox that was called uh, Boston Public. And when I first moved out here uh, and then I did uh, the terminal with Tom Hanks. So I was ex. So when I when I moved in, uh, when I uh, yeah, I heard about extra work, which was like obviously a way to it was easy to get in and to kind of get exposure and to be on sets and stuff. So I, I started working on Boston Public because they were looking for students. So I fit the bill. And through that. Somebody was talking about the terminal. So I, and that's usually how that goes. So I did those two projects at the, right at the beginning. But I think the biggest thing that I booked was a, a non-union Best Buy commercial. It was the first thing that I ever auditioned uh, for and I got it and I was like, oh, this is easy. And I didn't book another commercial for, for so long, but you know, that was probably like the beginning, the beginnings of like my career. Uh, and then obviously uh, LATV, which was when I started hosting. You started hosting here in LA before moving to New York. Yeah, yeah. I ended up getting this. I mean, I moved in uh, September. I mean, I got I moved to, to Pasadena at the time uh, because one of my best friends from Puerto Rico got accepted into Caltech. So it was just it just made sense for us to live in, in Pasadena uh, from from Puerto Rico. He came, he, you know, he graduated from uh, University of Puerto Rico, Maya West. So I remember I think I got there uh, in at the end of August and like. In September, I saw an audition for LATV. And so like less than a month later, I was already auditioning for LATV. And but I didn't actually get it till the end of the till, till like the beginning of the next year. But I kept but that was what was happening. And I remember not sure if I could even, you know, if that was actually a good opportunity. And that ended up giving me three and a half years of bilingual television experience. So by the time uh, MTV Tres came around, I had more than enough experience. I was more than qualified to do the job. And then obviously being bilingual helped out a lot. So tell us how was that audition for MTV3? For MTV3? Because it was starting, right? The channel. Yeah, the channel, was, uh, the channel was launching. It launched, actually, you know, it's crazy. I don't know when this is coming up, but it launched. But on September 25th, 2006, that's when it launched. But I did not, I started auditioning before the summer, that summer before. They were looking for people, but I, I, the audition wasn't that big of a deal because I was already doing LA TV for so much. Like it was, it was like, yeah, I'll read the prompter. Yeah. I'll, I'll improve, you know, and I was having fun with it, but I, the reason I, I, the, my way into hosting was through my improv and, and stand up. So I was very comfortable, you know, in front of a crowd or just talking to people and having a good time. So that really helped me. So I wasn't, it wasn't really nerve wracking, but actually something that actually probably ended up working in my favor. I also 
Do you remember the N network? Nickelodeon came out with a teen focused uh, back in the day. The N network. It didn't last that long, but for but they tried it out for like older older kids, like like teenagers. And they had they were doing a sketch comedy show, and it was uh, it was going to be hosted by Brandon T. Jackson. I'm going to say, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, and I auditioned for it, and this this was happening at the same time. And I got so close; I had never gotten close to anything like that. But I auditioned for the sketch show, and I got all the way to producers, and I got as far as I could, and I didn't get it. And I and because it was the first time that it was such a huge thing for me, uh, I got so you know so much anxiety, and then I didn't get it. And by the, by the time that I didn't get it, then MTV Tres kind of rolled around. So I had I was so calm, and I had. Ex- I had no emotions left in my body. So when I came in MTV3, I was super comfortable. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And it ended up, I think, uh, you know, making it a lot easier for the for the process. So then that was happening in the summer. July, I got a, a call to go to New York for like a couple of days to, to, to do the network test. And so I flew up there and I went to the, the material studios. And then I found out like shortly after. And then they told me, congratulations, you got the job. And then you got to move to New York. I had like two weeks to put my life, you know, to move my mouth, put everything in order, which was crazy. It was a, it was a dash to, to, you know, I had, I had a car, I had my, you know, apartment I had, it was, it was a mess. It was a crazy mess, but you know, and then I eventually moved to New York and then I started working for MTV and I did that for four years. You feel it was a blessing when it ended so you could go back to acting? Um, well, it didn't end. I chose to kind of walk away from it because um, they were, they continue. I mean, MTV Thrust is still around. Uh, but what happened is that I, I think my contract was kind of like, I think it was kind of over, but they were moving from New York to Miami. And I, and I think there was an opportunity for me to continue, but I was really, um, I was at that point, I'd made a decision that I wanted to, to, to focus on, on acting because I don't know if you remember in, in 2009, uh, I had ESL entertainment as a second language was my first shot at like a variety comedy show. So for like a hot second, I had my sketch comedy show. I had a, t- a group of writers. I had, it was more than just like a cold, because when we were doing Me TRL, it was just maybe the cold open, an opportunity to do some comedy. But this was like the thing. I had a team of writers, I had people. It was like, it was all geared to put, it was, I was in heaven, you know? It was literally what I always wanted to do. But then the recession hit, and so the show didn't even last for two, three months. So it went away. And after that, I just really had a hard, you know, it was a really hard punch in the face to go back to just doing regular hosting or just tossing to videos. I always say, you know, like after doing that, it was just like not the same to toss to a Daddy Yankee or a Pippo. Like it just didn't have that passion because I had it in front of me. You know, I had the opportunity to do comedy, like a comedy show. So that was, I think, a wake up call for me. So by the time, and this was like 2009. So I already made a decision. I was trying to, I still had like a year left in the contract. And so uh, that's when, you know, I made my way out of it by the end of uh, 2010. And I moved to LA. Was the transition hard? Was it challenging to go back to LA? To come uh, back to well, LA? I never felt, I never felt like, it always felt like home LA. Uh, New York was a little tough for me when I moved there because I was by myself and it was all work related. Like I was always, you know, imagine having to go to Times Square every day for three, four years. <laughs> it can get a little, you know, it's a little too much. But uh, I always felt, felt, LA never felt like far away. I think it was the tough transition was for me more than anything was uh, due to the fact that I was t- turning down opportunities in LA for hosting because I made that decision. So I, the, the, t- the toughest thing about the transition was just being broke for at least two years of my life because that was the only thing that was available. I mean, I did, I had so much hosting experience. That's literally all that was available to me, uh, you know, and like e-entertainment 
they were ready to hire me. You know, I was like, I don't want, I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> so I ran away from it, but it's also like, you know, it messes with your mind because it's like, I could eat, I could have money. I could have a career, but I had made such a strong decision and, and I knew that it was going to be a risk. But at that point I, I was too far into it to, to back, you know, to, to, to bail on it. So I, I stuck to it and I was hungry and I was broke and I suffered, but, but it, but it came around eventually. So I think that was a, a calculator risk that I took that I, and also I was, you know, I didn't have a family to provide for. So it was easier for me to be hungry and, uh, and not eat that much. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was probably the toughest part. So that's when you transitioned then to commercials, right? So commercials were always around. It just took a weird thing. Uh, like back when, so when I did, I hadn't booked a commercial for like almost 10 years. No, uh, yeah, like some like seven or eight years. Uh, but something clicked uh, in, you know, in 2013. That's when I got Metro PCS. And I think, you know, the improv and everything kind of came into, got to a point, got me to a point where I was so comfortable with my commercial auditions that I started to book. But that definitely changed my life in terms of like financial. Financially, I was able to get out of debt and that started the shift from that transition. So I was at a really tough two years, but then I was literally the first week of January, I booked Metro BCS and that ended up being a two-year campaign that paid me a lot of money and I got out of debt. And from that point on, I think I was able to kind of just uh, relax into it and just focus on comedy and, and acting and not worry about when my next paycheck was going to you know, come. Is it tricky? Because you can be stuck in commercials too. I don't think so. I think that it's different now. I think, um, I think that I have, I don't, I've never felt stuck with commercials. Even like now I just did a commercial audition. Like even if I'm working, I think it's, um, honestly, like we're in a place where it's not seen, it's not looked down on. Like maybe if it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, but I feel like even celebrities are doing commercials now. Like celebrities have no business having to get, you know, but they're still doing it. So We are, we're all out here trying to have fun. And I feel like as long as I feel like as long as the commercial is is fun to make or has some kind of comedy, again, if it's exciting in some certain in, a, in any way, shape or form that I get to perform or I get to, you know, put my stamp on it, it's always going to be a good time. It's still good. It's still content. And the only difference is that with a commercial, you can end up making a, a ridiculous amount of money with residuals. So now you're back in L.A. How you get back into comedy and improv? So I... I had started UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade in New York when I was at MTV. During that summer, actually, after everything shut down, so that summer of 2009, uh, summer of 2010, it was a really slow summer for work. And I was like, well, I might as well. You know, I, I'd heard of UCB. I just had never, I knew about it enough that no things were popping. So I ended up taking the first two levels of improv there. And that was it. And then I moved back, but I, because I was broke, I didn't really have a lot of money. I didn't, I couldn't really continue. So I wasn't until 2014 where I was like, okay, I have this extra money. Let me get back into it. So I jumped right into it and I, and I signed, I signed up for UCB and I signed up for the Groundlings because I was always curious about Groundlings as well. And so that year, 2014, uh, it was all like, I just really hit the ground running and I ended up uh, finishing UCB. And I only took the first, the half, I only took the first two levels of Groundlings, but I realized It was good for character stuff, but I wanted to focus. I ended up feeling more at home with, uh, with UCB. And so I just kept kind of like, you know, uh, staying in, in, within that co uh, cosmos. Well, I would do stand up every once in a while, but I just kind of stayed in there long enough. So by the time, you know, uh, I got to meet Riza and the team from Spanish Aki Percent side, we were all like, you know, ended up being really good friends. I started doing a, we did a, a Spanish improv thing. We kind of just 
fell into a Spanish group called Improvisos Peligrosos back in 2015. And so that's what led us to, to get together eventually, Riza, Tony, and Oscar, for us to continue to do Spanish Aggie Presents. But see, like, that, that was the vibe. So 2014, I, I got back into it. 2015, I got the opportunity to start performing. Then eventually I got into the sketch teams. So it was, you know, it was a lot of UCB. I uh, put a lot of time in UCB, uh, whether it was for improv or sketch. And, uh, you know, all the way till the before the pandemic, we had our last show, which is kind of uh, bittersweet. But the last SAP show that we had was with the cast of Hentified. And it was literally the weekend before or the week before the pandemic started. Um, and I couldn't do it because I have booked vacation friends and I tried so hard to just get it to and I couldn't do it. So I was away for that. Lad, what ended up being the last performance of that of the theater of the UCB show at, at the Sunset Theater. So, but yeah, we had a really solid two-year run at that theater with the SAP. So I'm really happy that we got to perform and sell out those shows when it, when it was all happening. So that was the comedy stuff. So it's always been with the stand-up and the improv and the sketches always just kind of been floating around. It's always been that way. Now that you mentioned how you got Hentify. How did I get it? Mm -hmm. Well, I the old-fashioned way, I had to audition. <laughs> I remember when it came out at the beginning of pilot season, that was in 2019. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I hope I at least I get to read for it. But I didn't come in till the very end. I think they had some people in mind or they were looking for certain types of people that wasn't working. So I was able to come in at the end. And, uh, and it was just, you know, it just felt right from the beginning. I felt really strongly about that character, you know, and, uh, you know, the team and the, produ the production team, Marvin, Linda, America, everybody was on board. Uh, and then I had to prove it to Netflix because I didn't have that many series regular. This is my first, this, this is my first lead in a series role. So uh, usually, typically networks are very careful who they give that to or they need people to have the, the proper credits to do that. And uh, so it was a huge leap. So Netflix, uh, you know, which is great because now I look back, I was like, I really fought for this. I... I ended up having to come back and audition like five or six times just to prove to Netflix that I could do it, that I could pull it off. And, uh, and you know, rightfully so. I didn't have anything to, to wait to negotiate with. Like I had nothing. I only had a handful of credits. I had only done at that point Two Broke Girls or Last Man on Earth. So it was fine. And then it ended up being, by the point that I, by the time I got it, it was very anticlimactic because uh, I was like, yeah, I, uh, I just kept getting, kept getting more and more comfortable with the character and with the auditions. So it ended up probably making it easier for me to show them that I could do it. And then, you know, I booked that in March of 2019 and the rest is now history. Yes. Tell us the day for the season two. So the new season's coming out November 10th. Y'all better catch up if you haven't seen it. Check it out. It's coming out. It's going to be great. We're starting to do press right now, so I'm really excited about it. But I think it's going to be good. I think people are going to so like it. So for anyone that's been under a rock, tell yeah. us about the show. <laughs> so the show is set in Boyle Heights. It, uh, it deals with uh, gentrification. It's called Hentified because it's a play on words. Hentification uh, is a, it's an actual term uh, because it, it comes from the people from the community leaving or the young people going out, becoming professionals, and then coming back and starting their own businesses and, and somewhat hentifying or gentrifying it, but from within the community. And so the show basically tackles that head on and we're not trying we never assume to have an answer for it because it's a very nuanced conversation but i think the point of the show was always to to put a face to 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 that to to put a human uh connection to to the gentrification situation that's happening all over the world but specifically in bull heights and so you know i think that that's uh, why i think it's resonated 
in such a powerful way with a lot of people. So we're just happy that people are definitely enjoying it. For anyone that hasn't watched it, you have until November 10 to watch right. season one. That's right. To cash out. It'll be easy, better, because you don't have to wait. A lot of people had to wait, you know. Yeah. You don't watch them all back to back. <laughs> it was the show brought to you that you didn't expect. In terms of my career? Yep. Well, obviously, the number one thing that has brought me is an, an, uh, an opportunity to, to level up in terms of like how people see me in the industry. It's opened a lot of doors. I don't think it's a coincidence because of the show. I've been able to, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I joke about this, but it's true. Like I, I haven't changed in the last few years, but now suddenly, you know, Hollywood or casting directors like, hey, where have you been? I was like, I've been around. You didn't <laughs> want to see me because I didn't have credits. Uh, but, you know, I think that's opened the door and given me the opportunity to do work on vacation friends. I also worked uh, on, a, on a series for Amazon that I can't talk about because it's not out yet. It's not going to be out till next year, but I shot that uh, last year. So I'm really excited about it. You know, and I did a little something, something for, for uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, I think. I don't know if we could talk about that. It doesn't matter. So it, just the opportunity to be in, that, in the mix and to really now uh, be accepted in, in those circles, I think is really great because then it allows me to show what I'm capable of, you know, because I think well, for a lot of us, we do this long enough. We, we are ready some of most of us are ready to do this before we even get the opportunity. It's just a matter of you need that nudge. You need that first push. And I think to me, Hentified was that push and continues to be because I feel like uh, the first season was very special for, for its own myriad of reasons. The second season, I think, is very special. It's going to be even more special because I think that now the character is going to get to show some more colors. Like there's going to be a lot more emotional responsibility for Chris, the, my character. I think I was more of like a comedic uh, relief in the first one and this one i think we get to really see a lot of emotional stuff a lot of serious stuff balancing out the the comedy so i think it's going to be great because i wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise you know uh, and i think this show is definitely doing that for me as a puerto rican do you feel the responsibility playing a mexican character i think that um this is something that's always going to come up i feel like personally i we should be able to play each other's stories my stand is that we should be able to play each other's stories as long as we do it with respect and with uh, as an authentic approach as possible. Um, I will say that there is a problem with erasure and, and uh, whitewashing that, con that continues to happen or that's happened in the past, which has made it very sensitive for people. And I, I understand, and I always say, I, I validate those feelings and concerns, but I think we should uh, also have considered grace for, for all, all of us as performers. I think not the problem hasn't been that other races have, or other ethnicities or other Latinx uh, ethnicity that played each other. I think it's that it used to be done without any care before in the past um, because the powers that be didn't really care if it sounded right or whatever. And so that's obviously created a sore uh, spot for a lot of people, which I do understand. But um, but at the same time, I feel like we should take care of each other. And I know that this is a term like we're not a monolith and which is totally true. But I think in the end, we shouldn't we should take care of ourselves like like a monolith because um, because at the end of the day, the, pe the people that are in power don't see any difference they just see you know the same thing and so i think um i do i do draw the line with now i think that if you're doing in terms of uh, roles i think and, and this could change but i feel like i do believe that if you're doing an, a biopic on somebody that's existed i think it would behoove the people working on it to, to choose people from that from that you know so i understand that but if it's a fictional character and if it's some you know and you do it right by them like i've been in la for 15 years so i'm not really faking the funk i when i yeah you know i 
I've absorbed the culture. I've absorbed the the vibe. I've absorbed the accent. It just comes out of me. I'm not putting it like it just, you know, so I feel like as long as it's done with respect that I think that's what the responsibility is, is to do things right. And with respect to to what you're creating. So you want to share your social media so people can look you up? Absolutely. You can follow me at, of course, it's Carlos on <laughs> Instagram. And you can, I'm not that active on Twitter, but if you want to follow me, it's, it's at, it's Carlos Santos on Twitter. It was too long to do, of course. And that's, I'm mostly on Instagram. So you can find me on Facebook if you want. I think it's Carlos Santos Comedy. But for the most part, I think right now my hub is, uh, do most of my, my postings on, uh, on Instagram. And you can follow us on Instagram at the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. Thank you, Carlos, for your time. Thank you, Lizzie.